Hey, this is Jim Fleming, and this is the Stuart Heights Fleming Sunday School Class Podcast. This podcast is a recording of our weekly Sunday School Class, as well as a few other teaching opportunities I get at my church. But before you listen further, you may want to go to teachings.jim314.com and download the student and or teacher handouts so you can follow along visually and take some notes. Thanks for listening. Come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app or to iTunes. Now let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, everybody. So let's start this morning with our Scripture Memory Passage review. We've got Romans 3, 27 and 28. Romans 3, 27 and 28. And you're, you're like crazy fast. What's up with that? <laughs> That's aggressive, aggressive ownership here. You won't listen? You're just like la, 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 la. Excellent. All right. So anybody else? So we've got Miss Amy, Miss Darla. Uh, go ahead, Miss Darla, before I mess you up. It is excluded. Yes. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but that, but on that of faith. Yes. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Absolutely. Good deal. What translation was that? The NIV. Oh, the NIV. I didn't, okay, I didn't learn that one. All right. Good, good, good. Excellent. Miss Amy, you got it? She had to go check. I know. She had to go check. I know. Now I know. You think you've blanked on it? It's all right. Where is Yeah, where yeah, is yeah, 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 yeah. Is it excluded? Right. By what law? Right. Of works? Yeah. No, but right. by the law of faith. Good. Therefore, we confirm that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Absolutely. Justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Excellent. Anybody else? Romans 3, 27 and 28. Anybody else got it? No? All right, let's jump into today's lesson. Uh, if you've, uh, we'll get to the, the text here in just a minute. But uh, So we are in week 7 of, I think, 12, 11, maybe 11, of the uh, application of redemption. So we're, when we finish with today's lesson, we will be 60% of the way through Grudem's text. So that's what my Kindle tells me. So that's, I'm, I'm excited about that. So we've looked at, uh, in this series so far, uh, in the application of redemption, we've looked at common grace. This is the, the grace that is extended to all. We've looked at election, uh, calling, regeneration, conversion. Justification was last week that God is declaring our sin to be forgiven, and He thinks of our sin as forgiven. And then not only do we come back to a morally neutral place, but we are given Christ's righteousness, which elevates our position and enables us to stand before God, which in the end is really what we need. So today we're going to look at uh, adoption. Uh, and you, you may or may not know that uh, adoption really was God's idea. Um, he designed this structure well before we understood that there were ever children that needed to be taken care of by another. And, and this is all about God and it's all His idea. So the first uh, couple blanks there on your handout, if you've got a handout, is adoption is an act of God whereby He makes us members of His family whereby He makes us members of His family. <clears throat> so let's talk about family for a second. 
So theologically speaking, how many families are there? Theologically speaking, how many families are there? Two. There's your blank. There are only two options, which makes it easy to understand, right? Because if there were 19 options, this would be really complicated. So there's two options. There's the devil's family, and there's God's family. So which one do we start off in? The devil's family, right, which is not good. So when that child will not stop screaming in the middle of the night, and you, no, I'm not going to finish that. So, uh, so there's two families. There's two families. Let's go to John 8, because Jesus talks about the devil's family. And we don't really like to think about that, because it sounds really negative, but sin is really negative, so let's just call it what it is. So John 8, 41, 42, 43, and 44. You got it? Awesome. No, you are... Innocent. Who's speaking here? Jesus. Jesus is speaking here, yeah. Yep. And he is not happy. He's not happy. So I'll just give you a, just a heads up. So if this doesn't sound Jesus-like, it's because he's not happy. Okay. <clears throat> no, you are imitating your own father. They replied, we aren't illegitimate children. God himself is our true father. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me, because I have come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he who sent me. Why can't you understand what I'm saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So how many sides do we have there? Two sides, sides. right? You got God's side, and that's the side they thought they were on, which is the truly terrifying part here, right? We are on God's side. God is our father. And Jesus says, nope, your daddy's the devil. That's, that is really, really scary. And if you were to go through the New Testament and to look at all the people that Jesus used exclamation points with, and this language of snakes and vipers and devils and these types of things, it's only to religious people every single time. It's only to the religious people who thought they were all this, and then you come face to face with the truth, and the truth will sometimes cut you down. So, um, so that's the devil's family, which is really, really, really scary. And then there's obviously the family of God. This one's talked about significantly more in the New Testament, Romans 8, uh, 14, 15, 16, 17. If you're new to our class, the, uh, the handout, the, the verses that are highlighted are the verses that we'll go over in class. So you can, uh, we will not cover John 1, 12, but Romans 8, 14 through 17. Josh, you got it? You're excited about this one, aren't you? Yeah. <clears throat> For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that they may also be glorious with him. Absolutely. That is Paul, isn't it? That find a period, right? Yeah. Um, so, so we've got the devil's family, and we have God's family. Two sides. There's, there's, no, there's no third side. There's no other option. There's no plan C. It is, you've got the, the devil's family and God's family. So, um, so if, if God is my father, and Olivia, God is your father, and Darla, God is your father, and Mitch, God is your father, 
People who have the same dad are what? Siblings. A lot of words you can use there, right? Siblings, related, family, connected, right? We are connected. We are family. This is why we call this the family of God. So let's look at uh, Romans 9, 6, 7, and 8. So not only are we family with each other, the people who are living right now who are believers in Jesus Christ, we are family with those that have lived before that placed their faith in the Messiah. Like, way back. So there was a song that many of us sang when we were children that this, this next passage might remind you of. So Romans 9, 6, 7, and 8. Who's got it? You got it? Darla's already singing the song. Yes, she is. I, I thought I, I heard a faint... Oh, you were in the motions too, weren't you? Yeah, there you go. It's got motions, yeah. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. It is. Did you catch it? Who are we related to? Abraham. I'm not dancing, I'll tell you that. That's, um, they always, thank you for that, they always looked at me funny um, whenever we did this because I could not keep time or rhythm. One um, of... It's kind of funny. Noel, I'm going to talk about you for a sec. So one of the four people that I know that regularly listen to our podcast, uh, these are recorded and then put on the Internet, that don't come to my Sunday school class because they're either in another state or go to another church. Uh, She actually taught junior church. We called it junior church. You may have had junior church or some version of it when you were uh, a kid. Uh, Nine, 10, 11, and 12-year-olds. That's how I learned how to teach. And Noel handled all the music and did a brilliant job of it. And whenever I tried to engage in that space, it did not go well at all. And I would always get these very kind looks from Noel that I always translated as no. Um, so she is, uh, she is a very kind person and would probably uh, not agree with my assessment, but that's pretty much what I learned. So that I, I should not delve into the singing aspect. I should stay with the teaching aspect. So, so we are one family, uh, one family with those believers in the Old Testament, which is kind of cool because there's a lot of neat people in the Old Testament that believed in God and that we're connected to them just as we are uh, connected to each other. So, so the next question I have is what evidence do we see in our lives that we are God's children? So let's go to Galatians 4, 4, 5, 6, and 7. What evidence do we see in our lives that we are God's children? Because it's, you know, I, I, can, I can pull out my wallet, and, and in my wallet is my driver's license. And my driver's license says that my name is Henry H. Fleming IV. Right? And if I were to hold my driver's license next to my dad's driver's license, his driver's license would say what? Henry H. Fleming III. Henry H. Fleming III, right. And, and I could pull out my... Uh, birth certificate, and on my birth certificate it would say my dad's name is Henry H. Fleming III, and it would say my mom's name is Don Leslie Morrison Fleming, and, and I would be able to have a direct idea of exactly who I belong to. And this passage is kind of the, 
the documentation or the proof of the fact that we are children of God. So what does this say? Galatians 4, 4, 5, 6, and 7. We've got it. Dave, you got it? But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son to be born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, and that, uh, and that we might receive the adoption as his sons. Uh, and because of it, you are his sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into the hearts and to cry out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no, uh, no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir. Of God through Christ. Absolutely. So, so we got the Spirit of God in us that is identi- helping us to identify with who our Father is now, mm-hmm. which is great because I'm really stupid uh, and really sinful. And we'll do things that will separate and break relationship, not break permanent relationship, but break fellowship with God. And I need that. You're His. You're His. You're His. You're His. You're His. And, and helping me to relate to him as a son relates to a father, which is really pretty neat stuff. So, uh, so that's the first uh, point there, A. Uh, B is adoption follows conversion and is an outcome of saving faith. So now we're going to kind of get a little academic for just a second. <clears throat> so if you look back on the front side, we're still on the front side of your handout or are we on the back side? Still on the front? Great. So you see that listing of uh, numbered terms at the top there or in the middle there? So it starts with common grace, then it goes to election, and then calling, and regeneration, conversion, justification. Then comes adoption. Now, now some of these things happen exceedingly close to each other, as in virtually instantaneously. So I don't want to get too carried away with this, but if you go to Galatians 3, 23, 24, 25, and 26, um, it's pretty obvious that we are adopted after saving faith takes place. Let's look at Galatians 3. Ms. Becky, you got it? Is it 23? 3.23, 3.26. But before faith came, we were kept under, under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. So we were kept under guard by the law. Does anybody have a different translation for guard? Custody. Ooh, that's a good one. Custody. Anybody else? Held prisoner. Held prisoner. That's even a little more aggressive. Anybody else? Captive. Captive. I like it. So those. How many of you are are going through the read the Bible through in a year with us? Um, And right now we are in the exceedingly exciting book of Leviticus. Yeah. Which basically says, if you find a goat, kill it. Um, and, and there are all sorts. Of, I'm, I'm going to riff on your joke for years, Dave. That came from you, by the way. There, there are all sorts of laws in Leviticus. And we, as New Testament believers under the New Covenant, read these laws and we go, why does it matter if one thread is mixed with another thread? Right? I mean, I, mean, like, I, I like all cotton, but... I like me some polyester too. It's all right. It, you know, it'll it'll be okay. We got grace for that. And and I don't have any polyester, do I? I don't know. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm gonna get nine emails. You own polyester? I'm like, I don't really know that I own polyester. Um, so so the reason for all of that because it, I'll confess I can only read so many chapters of Leviticus in a row without being reminded of Galatians three. So can you start again for me? 
But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. Yeah. Kept for the faith, which would afterwards be revealed. So the law is keeping us until something much better, dare I say, comes along. And that's faith, and that's great, and this is good, and this is more fully fleshed out. So keep going. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Yeah, so we see this adoption follows the faith. We are members of God's family after this faith comes. So he doesn't adopt us at the, before the beginning of time into his family. That's not when that happened. It happened after we put uh, faith in him. All right, so a couple of the points here. Adoption is distinct from justification. Uh, how do I know this? One starts with an A, one starts with a J. It's pretty straightforward, right? Uh, no, so, so justification has to do with our legal standing before God, so guilty versus not guilty. Uh, adoption has to do with our relationship before God. So this is, uh, and then, you know, if you think about it, regeneration has to do with our spiritual life within. This is the, we have new life. Justification is not guilty, the gavel falls, and not guilty, and we get Christ's righteousness. And then adoption is relationship. Now, Grudem... Uh, I, I've gotten to where I really enjoy like, listening to his Sunday school class. And he, he goes on for a couple of minutes when he taught this lesson and talked about we didn't have to be adopted. Like, like adoption was not necessary for salvation from a bring you to Christ. He could have forgiven us. He could have justified us. And he could have kept us at a distance. But he didn't. And I never thought about that before. That, that this, and, and Grudem, uh, he has a tendency to be very specific with his words and his speaking style. And then he just laughs for no reason at all. And I'm like, I, I don't, I'm really glad you're a good writer because the speaking circuit would not have dealt kind with you. Um, but, but this idea that, that we are adopted is to him the, the cherry on top of the milkshake. So, so y'all know I like milkshakes, right? I think milkshakes are... Um, I'm not going to say I'm going to be disappointed if they're not the marriage supper of the lamb, but I really, I really believe they will be. And what I don't like about milkshakes is that when you go buy a milkshake from some places, they put whipped cream on top of it and they put a cherry. You guys familiar with this concept, the whipped cream and the cherry? I want the cherry. I don't want any part of the whipped cream. Because if you have whipped cream on top of a milkshake, when you drink the milkshake, all you have left is this whipped cream at the very bottom. It's like, what do you do do with that? It's just not the way to end. You got to think about ending well. (laughs) To Grudem... To Grudem, adoption is the cherry on top of the milkshake. It is the, you didn't have to do that. It was still going to be a milkshake. You were still going to be saved. But God did something extra. God did something that was unexpected. Because why would the holy being, the, there's only one, the holy being of the universe, desire to enter into relationship with us? He loves us. And I, I'm thrilled that he does. But... 
He didn't have to do this. So this is all about relationship. All right, so let's switch gears. Let's look at the privileges of adoption. And these are not in any particular order. Uh, This whole section, the application of redemption, if you read through Grudem's Systematic Theology, he really just kind of throws organization out the back window and just starts listing things at random in several of these different chapters. So it's driving me up the wall, but uh, it's probably good for me. So... All right, so a couple of privileges of adoption. Number one, uh, they're not numbered in your notes here, but being able to speak to God and relate to Him as a good and loving Father. As a good and loving Father. You guys heard this song by uh, Chris Tomlin? What's that? Oh, really? Really? Oh, that's hilarious. That's awesome. Cool. Ha! How neat is that? I didn't even look. That's cool. Uh, so Julie and I went to hear him live. We actually went to go see Wren Collective because we were big Wren Collective fans, and Chris Tomlin was singing too, so we stuck around for him. And yeah, he was, he was like, okay, I just really like Wren Collective. Uh, and we, we didn't, I don't know that I really realized how close we were sitting uh, because we're not young enough to sit that close anymore, and it was really loud. <laughs> But Chris Tomlin, uh, he, he hinted early on in his part of the concert that he was going to sing his new song about his father. And the crowd went wild, and I was like, I have no idea what y'all are screaming about. That's great. Good for you. And he sang it. And I didn't like it. I know. This is, I'm going to get kicked out of the church now, right? This is anathema. Uh, and, and I really just kind of, I didn't like it. And... I was just like, okay, all right, whatever, it's fine. And then you hear it on the radio, and you hear it on the radio, and you hear it on the radio. And then when I stop and listen to the actual words, those are pretty good. Those are pretty good. I think he's on to something here. And we have a good, good father, right? I know y'all needed my blessing before you listened to the song, but that's the, right? Uh, all right, so we can relate to God as a father, which is... Fantastic, And then we could look at Romans 8, 15, and 16. Did, did you already read these, Dave? You did? No? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Uh, you read them. Josh read them, right? Yeah, okay. Great, 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 great. Thank you. So we have this internal witness, the Holy Spirit, that is prompting us instinctively to call out to God our Father, right? This, and and what's, the, what's the word? The, the word that starts with an A? Abba. Do it. You taught Romans 8. And do you remember what you did? I'll never forget it. Ever. I'll never, ever, ever forget how this was explained. He's already forgotten, but that's okay. Ah, ba, 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 ba. Yeah, that's the, the, the sounds that an infant makes. Ah, ba, 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 ba. It's beautiful. It's the, the Greek word for barbarian is barbar, which is somebody that's babbling. And this is a very similar concept. Uh, what's, the, what's the name of an English word that... that thank you. You knew where I was going. Onomatopoeia, yeah. And there would be somebody in the room that would know that. And it's, it's the, it sounds like what it is. And this is ah-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. This is a... In, like, you can't even do this. This is a this, right? This is a carrying someone in your arms, small child, speaking out. This is that prompting. This, and that's where that comes from. The only reason we can do that is the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. All right, so your next blank. The fact that God relates to us as Father shows clearly that He loves us, that He understands us, and that He takes care of our needs. There's a lot in that sentence. <laughs> that He loves us, He understands us, and He takes care of our needs. Let's look at Psalm 103, 
13 and 14. As a father pities his children, so the Lord... As a father what? Pities. Pities. Why would a father need to pity his children? There are days. There are days, right? (laughs) Said by mom. There you go. (laughs) As a father pities his children. Yes. So the Lord pities those who fear him. And he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Our frame. What's our frame mean? Our, Our body, right? He knows that at some point in the future, this is going to turn back into dust. It's going to go back into dust. And, and to relate, someone, who, someone the, the Holy One of the universe who is infinite and all-powerful, to relate to us, with, to relate to dust. Right? So think about this for just a second. You go home today, you go out in your front yard, and you scoop up a handful of dirt. You go, I want to have a relationship with you. Yeah. I mean, he knows that's our frame. And yet, loves us anyway. I, I'm beginning to see why Grudem loves this so much. It's just, it's beautiful. He understands us. He takes care of our needs. All right, so next is uh, God gives us many good gifts. Many good gifts. Now, I didn't want to skip past this. This is important. But I also don't want to belabor this. Because whenever I've heard um, the concept of adoption taught, this is the piece that is just expounded upon and expounded upon and expounded upon. And I love the fact that God gives us gifts. I think that's fantastic. But that's not why we love Him. Um, Next line here is, He also gives us a great inheritance in heaven. An inheritance in heaven. And Dave's passage kind of hinted at this, but 1 Peter Peter 1, 3, 4, and 5 really walked through this in a little more detail. 1 Peter 1, 3, 4, and 5. Stephen, you got it? That's a nice shirt you got there, Stephen. Thank you. I don't know where I got it. Yeah, there you go. Any polyester in there? I highly doubt it. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That's awesome. So in my bedroom right now, on top of my dresser, is Julie and I's wills. Uh, and that's, you know, something happens to us. This is what happens to our stuff and what happens to the kids and all that kind of stuff. Probably should have done those in the other order. What happens to our kids and then what happens to our stuff. Um, <clears throat> there's an edit to the podcast coming. <laughs> um, <laughs> I may not recover from that one, so we'll just see. But they have not been uh, signed yet because we need a notary because you've got to be in front of a notary for whatever reason. I don't know. Apparently that's really important. Somebody else has got to get paid in the process, right? But, but that will describes what's going to happen to Anna Grace and to Caleb as well as our house and our cars and the, like 40 bucks in the bank. So that's really important that that be figured out. Now, now all that stuff, including Anna Grace and Caleb, is going to turn into what one day? Dust, right? But, but what about my inheritance in heaven? There was a word. I think it started with an I. Imperishable. Imperishable. When was the last time you used the word imperishable? I don't have anything that's imperishable. I have things that are going to outlast me, but I don't have anything that's imperishable. That is, it will be here forever. Like, name one thing that you've got that will be here forever. The Bible. There you go. 
Thank you for that. <laughs> I walked right into that one, didn't I? Yeah, I did. That's good. Yes, we have the scripture. That copy won't, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we don't know and we can't make things that last forever that are imperishable. But my inheritance with God in heaven is imperishable. Cannot be taken away. Cannot be revoked. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. Cannot be taken away. A great inheritance. You might want to circle the word great on your handout there. It's probably good. It gives us a great inheritance in heaven. So going back to the Holy Spirit, uh, the privilege of being led by the Holy Spirit is also a benefit of adoption. Because he could have saved us and then just said, you're on your own. And he didn't. He wants that relationship. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, the, the part of adoption that we don't necessarily like all the time, another privilege of adoption into God's family, though we do not always recognize it as a privilege, is the fact that God disciplines us as his children. Hebrews 12, 5 through 10. Now, you may have picked up on this by now, but, but these verses that we are reading are evidences that we are, in fact, adopted by God. So, Hebrews 12, 5 through 10. Ms. Bandy, you got it? Awesome. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when He corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Was that through seven or six? Through ten. Through ten, sorry. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Back up. That's a beautiful phrase. As you endure this what? Divine discipline. We'll just, let's just hang on just a second. Let's just suck on that for a second. Divine discipline. That tastes bad coming out of my mouth, but boy, that is so helpful, isn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> hmm. All right, keep going. Who ever heard of a child who was never disciplined by its father? Biting my tongue here. If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in His holiness. Yeah, so next time your kids ask you, do you know what you're doing? Nope, doing the best I know how. <laughs> it's even in the Bible. <laughs> it's in the manual. It's in the manual somewhere, right? <laughs> That's awesome. He disciplines us, and this is good for us. It helps us not be uh, that kid. You know what I'm talking about? Yep, okay. Let's keep going. So let's go back to this relationship amongst each other. 1 Timothy 5, uh, 1 and 2. The New Testament refers to us as brothers and sisters in Christ. The, those verses from Romans 1.13 to James 2.15 are all examples of brothers and sisters in Christ. And then we kind of switch gears a little bit. So if we are related, if there is some connection, 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2, what, is, what does that mean as far as how we engage with each other? Right? There ought to be some reason. You got it, Ms. Carey? Okay. Do not rebuke an elder man, but encourage him as you would a father. No, no, no. It didn't say do not rebuke. It said rebuke him every once in a while when you feel like it, right? No. It didn't. <laughs> Said, read it again? Yeah, let's read it again. Okay. Do not 
Rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. And who's writing this? Paul's writing this to Timothy. Who's older? Paul. Paul to Timothy, who is younger. I have always wondered if Timothy ever tried to rebuke Paul in something, but I don't know. It's just a guess. I, I get in trouble sometimes when I guess about the scriptures, but I always kind of wondered in, my, in the back of my head, was any of this like for Timothy personally? Obviously, there were older people in the church there, but I wonder if any of it was with Paul himself, because I've never met somebody who I didn't want to rebuke at least once in my life. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest, right? I mean, it's just, I'm arrogant, and I'm prideful, and it comes out of my mouth. <laughs> Did you just say amen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the microphone's really good. It's really good, so I'm sure it did. All right, let's start over. First Timothy 5, 1 and 2. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger so, when we, so when does some? I'm sorry, I just can't get past this. <clears throat> when does somebody need to be rebuked? When you've, when you've done what? Wrong. When you've done something wrong. So when we see an older man in the church do something wrong, what do we do? Is that the natural response? This is, I mean, this, if you want to talk about evidence of the Holy Spirit of God living inside a person, you just really messed up, and I'm going to come alongside and encourage you. But that is also beautiful. That is also be- Okay, so we're done with verse 1, right? I don't know, let's do it. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's start from the beginning. I don't want to break the text. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Yeah. So I am related in father, mother, brother, sister relationship with who in the church? Believers. Believers. That's right. This is why we care. This is why we greet. This is why we encourage. This is why we love. Because we are family. And if I could sing, I would sing that song right now. It is family work. All right, so last blank. We, as God's children, are to imitate our Father in heaven in all our conduct. And I'll skip ahead for Ephesians 5.1. It is a very straightforward verse. What does it say? Be imitators of God as beloved children, right? Have you ever seen a child doing something that their daddy was doing? Yes. All right, daddies. Have you ever seen your child do something that you were doing that was good? You're like, yes, that was really good. Have you ever seen your child do something that you were doing that was not good? Yeah, right? And, and so here's the beautiful thing, right? We teach our children to mimic us when we do good, and we're teaching them to mimic us when we don't do good, but we can mimic everything about our Father in heaven because He is only and ever always good. That's awesome. What an example, right? That is absolutely amazing. And then we'll finish with Matthew 5, 16. When we walk appropriately, when we do the imitation well, what's Matthew 5, 16 say, Tim, the younger, my brother... (laughs) Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Yeah, so let my light shine so that I can get glory, right? No, not quite. 
That's the nearly inspired version. Let your light shine so that God can get glory. Had to throw one God in there like Grudem says it. Um, it's, it's about the Father's glory. I mean, Christ came to earth, lived a perfect life, reflected glory to the Father. The Spirit brings glory to the Father, and that's what this is about. All right, so I'm going to challenge you this week with the questions for personal application. These are really good, but I ran out of space on the handout. So if you look at the link at the bottom of your page, tourheights.org slash Sunday School, you go there and then click on the link to where our teachings are. Click on the teacher notes because there's about eight questions on the teacher notes, and they are really, really, really good this week. Uh, a lot of good, insightful uh, comments on that. So the scripture memory passage for next week, Romans 8, 14 through 17. So every verse you say is something you can get off the prize table. Uh, no dancing necessary, uh, Father Abraham. And then the hymn this week is Children of the Heavenly Father, which I do not ever remember seeing, reading, or singing before. So I'm going to read this one to you today. Children of the Heavenly Father, safely in His bosom gather. Nestling bird, nor star in heaven, such a refuge ever was given. God His own doth tend and nourish. In His holy courts they flourish. From all evil things He spares them. In His mighty arms He bears them. Neither life nor death shall ever from the Lord His children sever. Unto them His grace He shows, and their sorrows all He knows. Praise the Lord in joyful numbers. Your protector never slumbers. At the will of your defender, every foeman must surrender. Though he giveth or he taketh, God his children never forsaketh. His the loving purpose solely to preserve them pure and holy. I love those old hymns. It's good stuff. So at your center of your table is the weekly update. If you will make sure everybody's name is on that that was here today. If you will share your prayer requests. Pray as a table. And you are dismissed. Thank you.